0: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. Before I get into the news, I just want to let people know that I'm almost ready to start opening up the website for other people to post news. So if you have experience with any of this stuff, if you've ever worked on a professional blog and uh, you know have the ability to write short blog entries and know all the rules, you, know, you get a link back to your sources, you can't just copy and paste from other places and all that. If anybody has experience, please reach out to me and within the next few weeks, hopefully we could add more writers. Um, the people that have contributed so far have done amazing jobs, uh, Smoke Monster has posted a bunch of awesome stuff, Chris from Belgium posted some cool things, and of course, Greg Collins has been writing some of the guides for the 3D printed stuff, which is awesome. Uh, but the truth is, I'm just, um, I'm still kind of struggling to keep my head above water, which is a good thing, because I like being busy and I like having fun. but. Uh, Fun with all the stuff that I'm doing with the website and the podcast. But for this stuff to continue long-term, it's got to be a group effort. It can't just be me. So this is going to be the first, or maybe I guess second step, into making that happen. Uh, I've been very open and honest that I want RetroRGB to become something that's a community-driven site. And I don't know if this will end up being the place where people post their guides and info, or if there will be another wiki, or both, or... Um, but I do just want to continue to push for community-driven efforts, uh, and there's a lot of amazing and great people out there that are willing to help and, and make this something that'll last forever. So, uh, you know, i kind of am doing it now the opposite of how I tried it last year, which is totally cool. So anybody that's, uh, you know, that has some experience and is willing to try a little bit, and this is new for me too, so I'm probably not going to be a great editor at first. Uh, so just bear with me, please, and I'll, I'll do my absolute best. But uh, yeah, if you're interested and you know how to write a decent short blog post, please let me know, and I'll see if I could set you up with an account and kind of see how it works for both of us. But anyway, we just jump right into the news. Well, I definitely want to start out by talking about the WeDuel review video. First, a very quick synopsis. The Wii Dual is a device designed by Dan, Citrus 3000 PSI, that gets both high-quality HDMI and analog signals from a Wii. Um, it's based off the GC Video solution designed by Unseen, so it's a very high-quality solution. And my conclusion about it was that any enthusiast should get it. So if the Wii is your favorite console, or uh, if you got crazy OCD like many of us do and you need the best out of your consoles, definitely get it. But for casual Wii users it might not be something that you need, Um, so just kind of think about it and uh, and see if, uh, you know, when Dan releases the price and the kits, see if it's something that kind of fits your budget. Um, So that conclusion, I 100% still stand by, as well as the comparison descriptions themselves. Uh, when I was playing the console, uh, I've tried pretty much every revision Wii from the the launch models that are fuzzy to the, the clearer ones later on, and playing them side by side with this, I noticed a massive difference. So a comparable solution for the Wii U and, and the Wii Dual in the original Wii, I thought it was much, much clearer and sharper, I, I definitely saw a difference with my eyes, and the analog outputs I thought were much clearer and sharper as well. Um, but I guess the controversy was that uh, the, the picture comparisons that I did uh, had issues with them. And I realized it, and I actually had cut out about five minutes of that video, because at first I had issues with some of the capture stuff. I had to redo a lot of it, which is why some of the menu screens were not in the correct aspect ratio, because I kept flipping back and forth to re-record some of the footage that didn't, uh, I was having issues with, and, um, and I guess I forgot to set the menu back. So there's a bunch of menu screens that are off aspect ratio. Uh, but I don't. I still am not 100% sure what the problems I had with the capture were. Maybe it was the cables. I tried two different capture cards. Could be the Wii signal itself is funky. I don't really know. I'll figure that out uh, soon. I ordered some new cables and adapters to try. But the huge problem that I had, way, way bigger than the capture problems, was the rendering and then the YouTube compression. Uh, so the renders were so bad that the first time I watched one on YouTube, I went, These comparisons look identical to each other. Here's the bitmap right here of the picture that is a very clear difference. So I struggled to the point where I just said, Screw it, I'm going to pull all of that out. Uh, I'm going to make it an overview video, and then I'll go back and re record footage at another time. And I even said at the end of the video, well, that's it for this video on the Wii Duel, because I knew I'm going to have to go back and, and really reshoot all of the, the stuff to make a very good comparison video. And let's be honest, at a half hour, that didn't need another 10 minutes worth of comparison footage anyway. So I thought I was okay with it, but some people were absolutely losing their minds about that comparison footage. Um, and to be honest, uh, you know, a lot of it was uncalled for. Um, and I completely lost my shit on one of the people and, uh, I felt really bad about that. And not only did I, was I rude, but then that person took the time to walk me through what was wrong with the sections of the video. I don't want to name names cause I don't want to call anybody out, but, uh, I want to apologize again for that. Sorry. Um, and I, I think I figured out what happened. I think I figured out what I'm going to do next time. But the the one mistake that I do genuinely feel bad about is not being a little bit more blunt about this is an overview. This is reflecting what I'm seeing on my TV, and you know, and I'll follow up with better footage. I didn't make that clear enough, and uh, I'm sorry about that. And I, I will definitely shoot more footage. But. Uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't really understand the rage from some people. Uh, I do love constructive criticism, and a few friends had reached out through emails, and you know, one of them even was like, "Hey, you know, I'm sorry to to get negative on your new video." I was like, "No, I love it. Bring it on. I, I need to get better." Just like when I started the website, when I was taking pictures of the monitor because I couldn't figure out the capture issues with the with those consoles. Now I've learned, and now I don't need to say anything like you know, to my eyes, it seems, but it looks better in person. Now I, I know how to take captures of a Super Nintendo and a Genesis to show what I'm seeing, and I know why there's a difference. So hopefully I'll get to that with the Wii stuff. Uh, I'll get to that point soon. It'll be a few weeks because I have other more important things I got to deal with, but, uh, you know, um, I, I needed to get the video out. I couldn't spend any more time on it. I'm already drowning in work in a good way, but, like, I, I just couldn't spend any more time, and I had to put it out, so... Uh, for people that were offended by the footage um, i just i don't know what to tell you uh you know to everybody who took the time to give creative feedback i I really genuinely appreciate that and i'm going to try to integrate all that into the follow-up and pretty much every other video i do next mario kart vr is now available in the u.s Bandai Namco's VR Zone has just installed the Mario VR setup, as well as a few other games, inside um, Union Station in Washington, D.C. So, this looks really cool. I think something like this is kind of the perfect use for VR. Um, you know, it, it's you sit down in a chair so it feels like you're in a cart. You know, you have the helmet on so it looks like you're wearing a, a helmet and you have the head tracking and things like this. Uh, I would really love to give this a try, and uh, I might go out of my way to go down to Washington, D.C. just to try this out. So it'll be there for about six months, and then they did not announce where it would be next, so I would just check out the links if you're interested in it, and hopefully stuff like this will start to uh, be available, uh, be a lot more available, because I think VR um, hasn't even come remotely close to its potential, and I think a lot of it is just the physical experience. So stuff like where you could sit in something that feels like a go-kart would take care of a lot of that. Uh, Just my opinions, though, and I'm really looking forward to trying it out at some point. Rumors started to circulate last week that Nintendo would be releasing a new version of the Switch in 2019, and based on what they've done with their portable consoles, that makes perfect sense to me. Maybe we'll get a slightly bigger one, a slightly smaller one, Uh, or one or two publications speculated on an OLED screen, which, while that would be nice, probably not. Um, Might just have a a screen upgrade. It might just simply be a case of the the newer, better screens might even be more cost efficient, so maybe they'll just call it a new model because of that. But there's no no solid info on this. It's uh, a lot of speculation. But for me personally, uh, my hope, which I think has almost zero chance of coming true, uh, but my hope is that a newer version would render in 4K. Um, Based on Nintendo's past few consoles, it's pretty obvious that they really don't give a shit about video output and they think this is good enough. I just, uh, there are so many things that when you're using a 4K panel, uh, you know, you don't have to worry about the the panel doing the scaling you might save some uh, some lag time on that and also I'd really like to see some of these games rendered at a higher resolution I really enjoyed Breath of the Wild and I just thought you know this is great but I wonder how much cooler it could have been you know if it was on a more powerful console so no I know that is not the common opinion whatsoever I think most people think it looks just fine on its own uh, but those are my hopes um, but. Uh, I think a much more likely scenario is just uh, an upgraded screen. They'll call it a different model, and it's probably cost-effective for Nintendo anyway to do that. So that's that's my bet at the moment, but let's hope for better and cooler things. Saint from Retro HQ has just posted a video showing all of the updates and the progress of the Jaguar SD project. Uh, A lot of the stuff I'd already been talking about based on his Twitter feed and posts in the thread, but he summed it up quite nicely in a video. So any fans of the project might want to give that a watch, and anybody who just wants to get kept in the loop, um, I'll, I'll still continue to give all of the basic and quick updates here. Nintendo just filed a patent with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for what looks like a Game Boy cell phone case. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this because something sort of like this came out last year where it's essentially just Tetris uh, that snaps to the back of your iPhone. And while that looks really cool, uh, I didn't end up buying one. I just thought, you know, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, But the fact that Nintendo might do a novelty thing like this doesn't seem very likely. I mean, it is their own patent application, so uh, I'm not really sure what they have in mind. But I would really like to know how they'll tackle the whole... You know, there's many different sizes of cell phones. You can't just have them all snap on like that other Game Boy case. Um, you know, how are they going to sell games for it? Why wouldn't they just have mobile, more mobile games? So uh, I hope it's something awesome. Uh, I at the very least love the look of it. And I certainly like the look of Game Boy cases for phones. I've had the past three phones. I've had Game Boy cases, so when you pick it up, it looks just like you were holding a Game Boy. Uh, I thought that was really cool, so... Who knows, maybe it's uh, maybe it's not functional, maybe it just beeps and this is only a Nintendo cell phone case. But either way, if it's a real product, I'll let everybody know. I recently posted an interview with two people who are working on a project to back up discs. I think this is incredibly important for preservation and for a million other reasons, but Simon is working on the hardware, the Doomsday Duplicator project, which I've talked about here before that taps the signal from certain Laserdisc players. To get a pit for pit backup. Uh, and then Chad is working on the LD decode software that could decode that raw data and spit it out as audio and video footage, as well as a lot of the other data that's stored on the disk for things like the Dragon's Lair games or uh, for some of the, the laser discs that were used for archival purposes as well. So uh, I think this is incredible. I love that they've open sourced this. Um, They were both very cool and very nice to talk to, so that's always a plus. And I really hope more people jump on board with this and uh, possibly forking the project over to VHS and maybe even Betamax. Uh, I'm not even sure where I would start with beta or if there's anything on there other than uh, personal footage worth saving, but who knows? I'm sure... I'm Probably Cousin Scott's going to text me when he hears this and go, you know, what are you talking about? There's 10 things on beta that are amazing. We need to get it. So uh, just the fact that now there's even uh, a remote option to do these things is amazing. The project right now is focused on doing the rips uh, and then doing the software to decode it. But they have a roadmap of things that they would like to add in the future that are very cool. Things like recreating the LaserDisc experience so you could use these digital rips and then use a device to play them on your TV That so with all of the same features of the LaserDisc itself. I think that's pretty neat and uh, who knows, I mean, in the future when all of these LaserDiscs rot out and aren't usable at all, that might be the only way that people could show the true experience of it. So I, I imagine years from now we'll probably see their work in a museum showing off what a LaserDisc was. But uh, in case you can't tell, I'm pretty excited about the project, and uh it's something that I definitely want to get behind and hopefully i could uh i'll hear back from the person making some of the hardware devices so we could have some to purchase, or if anybody listening knows uh or, or wants to take the reins on this and start a maybe an interest check list and then see how many we can get made for everybody that wants to purchase one instead of having to hand make it but it's very cool stuff if you're even remotely interested in preservation or laser discs or just listening to two awesome nerdy people talk about their work. I highly recommend listening to this one. SuperG just posted the status update on the GSCART Switch Lite project. He said the first small batch of switches have arrived and he confirmed that the sync on green to RGBS conversion is working properly, even in high def resolutions. Um, He needs to configure the DIP switch settings and then work out a couple more bugs, but he should be able to have these ready to go relatively soon. I would probably guess within a few weeks. Um, The first batch is very small. Uh, I think it really just takes a a few of the first orders and people that need to do beta testing. And then the second batch will be placed as soon as he confirms that the firmware is perfect, and that batch will take care of everybody that has pre-ordered and then the next batch after that will hopefully be current stock so that there will be no more pre-orders of the Switch. But I'm pretty excited for it. Um, I've been obviously following the GSCART Switch since the beginning, and I'm looking forward to these new features. I really want to test the sync regeneration and see even if it helps with certain compatibility issues. But as soon as I get one in my hands, I'll update everybody and let you know. I just saw a pretty cool video that explains how the main character of the Wonder Boy games was changed to the character Monica for the Brazil releases. The video shows different picture examples and walks through the whole story, so I don't want to spoil it, the video does a great job showing it, I'll just leave the link down below. 8-Bitgasm has just announced a new product that's both a sync stripper with sub out and a scanline generator. They offer both of these products separately at the moment, but this is a combined device. And while I thought this was pretty cool, the, the two scenarios that I could really imagine this being used with are if you're lucky enough to have one of those plasma TVs that accepts an RGB signal right over the VGA port. Um, they're not very common, but they look great, and I think having that and some scan lines would probably make a pretty good experience. I think NEC made them and Panasonic? probably made them at some point too, uh, mostly for digital signage, but the pictures I've seen online and the one I saw in person looked very cool, so maybe that would be a good solution for it. And another thing that came to mind for me is people that want to build small tabletop arcades with those 17-inch LCD monitors that accept RGB over the VGA port. I think that would be really cool too, to pick up one of those, which I think you could still find relatively cheap. Um, and build a really nice case around it and then run scan lines through it so you could still essentially have something like a true uh, a true 15 kilohertz RGB signal with scan lines going through I think that'd be pretty neat but Uh, I'd like to hear what you guys think this could be used for, because this is kind of a neat, niche product. Uh, So post in the comments below uh, any ideas or thoughts you might have for this, because people usually come up with some pretty awesome ideas when there's devices that are out there that could even do stuff like this. So let me know what you think, and maybe there's even cooler ideas for it. Kevin Mellet has been working on a project to create 3D printed ends for a Virtual Boy controller extension cable. I think a project like this would probably be good for things like consoleized virtual boys where you need the controller long or farther away or maybe even something like a SNES adapter so you could use a SNES controller on a virtual boy without cannibalizing any virtual boy parts. So anytime you could re- recreate something like this in a 3D print without having to either make your own molds for it or cannibalize parts from other consoles I think is pretty awesome. Uh, I could also think of a few creative and cool ways that you could use this. Um, that might be helpful for upcoming projects, but I'll talk about those at a different time. Just, uh, it's a very exciting time for Virtual Boy enthusiasts, you know, so we can play all three games that are worth playing. (laughs) Someone just released an MSU audio hack of the Beavis and Butthead game for Super Nintendo. They replaced the game audio with some of the favorite music that Beavis and Butthead used to like to listen to in the show, and uh, I didn't have a chance to play it. I did watch the video that they'd posted. Uh, and I can't tell if, um, if I absolutely love this or if hearing the same songs change after you leave and enter a room might get on my nerves. But either way, it's awesome and hilarious, and I'm glad they did this. Uh, hopefully I'll have enough time to get around to playing this one soon. And I actually have never played the Beavis and Butthead games at all. I, didn't, I don't know if they were any good or not, but uh, post down below and let me know. Were they, are they worth playing? Is it a fun game? Is it silly? Is it one of those things that it kind of sucks, but it's fun to kill 10 minutes playing? But uh, I'd like to hear everybody's thoughts. Let me know down below. There's been an update to the SMS test suite that allows it to work on a Game Gear and report back basic hardware info. I was able to just download the file, change it to a .gg extension, and load it on my EverDrive, and it fired right up and worked. So I think it's very cool that uh, there's more progress being made for this, and it's already come in handy a lot with uh, some of the video testing that I've been doing. So uh, you know, thanks to Sverks for keeping up the good work, and thanks to Artemio for starting the project to begin with, with his original 240p test suite. Professor Abrasive posted an update to the Satiator project. He said that the boards had arrived and he was ready to assemble a few betas, but he realized that the connector edges were not beveled. So anybody that watches the Retro Roundtable knows that if you don't have beveled edges on your cartridges, you could actually damage the cartridge connector. So uh, he's denied this shipment and asked them to fix it and send a new shipment over. So that'll probably put the project just a few weeks behind, nothing too crazy, Uh, and then he'll assemble up some betas and go from there. There was a lot more in the update, so if you're a Patreon subscriber to ProPref Professor Abrasive, uh, check out the link and read through the whole thing. And this is definitely a project I'm excited about because you get to have faster loading, um, easy SD booting from, you know, from Saturn games, and obviously I'm a huge fan of all optical drive emulators, and I can't wait to try this thing out. Pre-orders for the SIO or PSIO, however you say it, are now open to everybody. Up until now, you had to get on a list and then they would email you a code. And then you would use that code to pre-order, and then wait over a year to get your PSIO. So uh, hopefully it's a little less convoluted than that now. Although uh, it's not looking that way, because even in the email that I received letting people know that orders were opened, they basically told people to not email us um, because we won't reply to emails of when will your cartridge be shipped. So uh, the last time I had used one of these... It worked pretty well. Um, there were some bugs. I know there were lots of firmware updates from then till now. And I did just get another one, as well as another PlayStation 1. Um, and you need the parallel IO port in the back in order for these devices to work. And if you need to purchase a PlayStation, I would recommend getting the ones with the ports in the back that are model number SCPH-1001 for the U.S. ones, because these are the ones that are known to have really good uh, audio co- analog audio quality. So for me personally, I would have rather used uh, like a PS2 with the optical audio out if I was going for audio quality. But, uh, you know, you... To use whatever you can get, I guess. But um, I have links in the page to those scph 1001 PS1s if anybody needs them. And I'm kind of going to do a video about this as soon as I can. Uh, I think a basic overview of PS1 stuff would probably be helpful for hardware enthusiasts, especially ones buying a, a PSIO. So uh, if you've been waiting for one of these things, pre-order it now, and cross your fingers that it's not going to take 15 months to arrive like it did for my last order. <laughs> Smoke Monster just posted an overview video of the MR FPGA project. This is a device that allows you to use FPGA cores on it to output anything from the original resolutions all the way up to HDMI. And it's a project that I'm starting to get really excited about. People are uh, donating their time and work to get arcade cores working. Um, there's a bunch of different console cores working. And I believe that there's a bunch of really great, um, you know, I, almost perfect cores for some of the older computers as well. So this is pretty exciting because now you can get a true lag-free experience. And I really hope that more people start contributing to projects like this. So I enjoyed Smoke Monster's video. I have one of these in the mail as well as the uh, the I.O. kit for it. And as soon as it arrives, I'm going to start playing with it. Um, I think Smoke Monster is going to make a bunch more videos on this. And I believe he has a lot more uh, a lot more stuff in the works. He's just been really busy himself lately. So uh, hopefully we'll see a lot more stuff coming out from Smoke Monster regarding the FPGA things. But for now, check out his overview video and get a good idea of what the Mr. is all about. Someone in California is being sued by Sony for selling jailbroken PS4s loaded with pirated games on it. So uh, this is just a quick one, and it might not even really be worth mentioning, but very often I talk about ROMs and preservation and all that stuff, and a lot of people that I respect very much disagree with my opinions on that, which is totally cool. I just wanted to make the point of saying that this is not something that myself or most people that, uh, that I'm involved with are cool with at all. Um, you know, I've gotten to know owners of a bunch of smaller game stores that work their butts off and do great things for the community, and I would never condone somebody just taking that away from them. Uh, especially because the person who ran the store was advertising things like stop buying games when you can get them for free. And it's, uh, yeah, it's just not cool to do stuff like this. So, uh, you know, uh, If you want to comment about it down below, I mean, you could comment about whatever you'd like, of course, but uh, if you want to comment about it, um, you know, keep it in the context of this, I guess, because, uh, you know, maybe I'm missing something, but it just seemed like this person was kind of awful, and uh, I'm I'm sad to see... I'm sad to see the word jailbroken PS4s immediately now be linked to stuff like this, where people use it for thievery, because I know for sure... Uh, Especially when, like, the iPhone was first jailbroken and there was the big, oh, is that legal or not? Nothing that I did for the first year I owned uh, a jailbroken iPhone would be counted as illegal. It was different themes and menus and changing colors. And so, uh, you know, I know it was a stupid example, but it is very evident to me that just because something's jailbroken doesn't mean that you necessarily mean you're going to pirate on it. Uh, and I hope this doesn't kind of kill the whole jailbroken PS4 scene because I do think it's cool and important and sometimes it's the only way to preserve some of the experiences later on after the console ends of life and, you know, the online service is shut down. But, all right, rant over. Sorry. Developer and speedrunner Furious has just created his own version of the SD to SNES firmware that allows for save states on, on, on all games that don't have special chips in them. So this is pretty awesome and would be tremendously helpful to speedrunners who want to train for certain parts of games. I haven't had a chance to try it out myself yet, but, uh, you know, anytime you get more features for a product you already own is always exciting. So thanks to Furious for sharing it with us, and uh, I'll keep everybody updated as to the, um, the progress of everything else that's been going on in the SD to SNES world. Well, that just about sums it up for this week. As always, thanks so much to my Patreon subscribers, because without you, these videos couldn't happen. And I'll see you guys next week.